Welcome to Screen Actors Guild, where we explore Oscar-winning actors in the embarrassing films they'd rather forget. I am Michelle, the state of prevalent confusion and utter disbelief. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And I'm Henry, the extraordinarily annoying theater kid <laughs> ethereal being. Um... We're doing something we don't normally do on the podcast, which is not talk to each other before we start it. <laughs> I mm-hmm. finished this movie mm-hmm. about 90 seconds ago, um, and Henry finished it yesterday, and I thought it would be an yep. interesting thought experiment, considering just the general structure and ending and how this movie tends to be. If I came in super hot and confused uh, and just got to process it with you, the listener, right now. This is perfect. <laughs> this is perfect. So, uh, this is our Kate Winslet episode. Yep. Uh, Dame Kate Winslet. She's not a dame. Is she? She should uh, be. I love Kate she's not, She should be. She's, deserved, she's earned Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Uh, she, so, and we're talking about collateral beauty. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh-huh. First, let's talk about our lady Kate, uh, who's all in the news right now because of uh, Mayor of Easttown. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Forgot yeah. about that. And uh, she, fuck, what did she even win Best Actress? For it was Best Supporting Actress for the Reader, which I feel like came out for in like reader. around like 2014 or somewhere in that zone. Right, a movie that I have never seen, s- know nothing about, seen it. Uh, but she's a great actress, so I totally buy. Yes. Uh, have you watched any of the Mayor of Easttown? No, I haven't. Or it's not the Mayor of Easttown. It's Mayor of Easttown. Her name is Mayor. She's not the Mayor of anything. <laughs> no, uh, I haven't. Have you? I have, and uh, you know the the thing that's like making all the big news is that her accent is totally crazy because Pennsylvanians have a crazy accent, and she really goes hard on it. Okay, does she pull uh, it off, or is she? Oh yeah, she pulls okay, it off super cool, well. Cool. It's a weird accent. Yeah, it is. Uh, I kind of like, know it. Yeah, yeah. But let's let's talk about some things that are important to know about Kate Winslet, according to the internet movie. Yeah, I like this segment. The segment's good. Kate Winslet, nicknames English Rose and Corset Kate. Uh, um, mm-hmm. uh, was that because of Titanic? Because she was rocking a corset? I guess. Uh, so she, there's, she also has a trademark. Remember how Anthony Hopkins last episode <laughs> yes. had like 11 trademarks? One of them including like speaking his, softly and then not speaking right. softly one time. Yeah, and having, like, slicked back hair and being Welsh. Yeah. <laughs> Kate Winslet, Oscar-winning actress, mm-hmm. uh, star of stage and screen Kate Winslet, has one trademark. Oh, my God. According to the Internet Movie Database, and it is voluptuous figure, Michelle. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> Hollywood is right? trash! Right? This is so obnoxious. That's so fucked. That's so fucked. Uh, God. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like just just the classiest dame and just a what a what a great actress with so many attributes, including curves. She's curvy and also curvy curves. Bodies. And also curvy did body. you forget about pubes? <laughs> Jesus. Not surprised, uh, just disappointed, IMDB. Oh, there's some other really good ones in here. Uh so she uh, here's the thing that's important to know about her. Her daughter, Mia Thrippleton's name, is Italian for my 
<laughs> They're just giving us human lessons now. <laughs> I like. I like not that it, like what Mia. It's just Mia. Mia's just a name. It's just IMDb. a name. It also. It just. It's just sort of like when you're doing a word association. You're like, oh yeah, something special about Walter is. Um, <laughs> Walls. His name starts are... with Wall, which is a part of a building. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. I like it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I have that many other things from the Internet Movie Database, partly because I just... Oh, 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 I have a good one. <laughs> <laughs> one of... Uh, it's important to know. One of Kate Winslet's maternal great-great-grandfathers, Alfred Lidman, was Swedish. Great. Cool. <laughs> awesome. It is important Why? to know because she's the English Rose, and one might think the bloodline was purely oh. Rose. Turns out. Are you talking about Corset Kate? Oh, oh yeah, mean? Corset Kate, as she's known on the mean streets of London. Mm-hmm. Things that everybody calls her. Corset Kate, known for her voluptuous body and nothing else. <laughs> oh, man. She was born on the same date as Scott Weinger. Michelle, can you explain you know to me Scott that Winger second is? part? I... <laughs> is that like. She's born on the same date as Scott Weinger. What do you want to bet that Scott Weinger wrote that? Actor, <laughs> producer, and writer Scott Weinger. Yeah. Uh, who's known primarily for the voice of Aladdin in Aladdin. Oh, oh Scott. Scott mm-hmm. Weinger. Wait, was he the guy on Full House? Yeah, Fuller House, I believe. Maybe also Full He House. was the dude that played DJ's boyfriend, and he was also the voice of Aladdin. Oh, uh, okay. Remember, he was always wearing a Letterman jacket, and his name was Steve. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That feels right. Yeah, that show's real bad. Um, yeah, it's not it's I've not seen great. 100% of those episodes, and... You, you, of you, Fuller House or just Full, full? House? And you, okay. you remember something in like a haze of nostalgia that perhaps it was good, but maybe you just remember it. And I revisited that a couple years ago and was um, truly breathtaking how unwatchable it was. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it really beats you over the head with it. But we're, uh, we're not here to talk about Full House. Yeah, actually. We are here to talk about something worse. Corset Kate <laughs> and her involvement in the movie adjective noun um this Uh, movie collateral beauty i mean it's like the worst name for a movie since like life as a house or like p.s i love you it Haley described it my partner Haley described it as uh like somebody pulled a name for movie out of a scrabble bag yeah like just yeah uh, what it's strip adjective noun. The name makes no sense. Main... And they go through like a long thing in the movie about what it means, and it still means absolutely nothing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Context is not the issue here. They beat you over the head with it. It's one of those things where like they knew the name of the movie before they started writing the script. Like, mm-hmm. you know that mm-hmm. like a lot absolutely. of this was built around some guy being stoned one night and coming up with what seemed like a really deep, like uh, slam poetry title. And then Mm -hmm. just kind of fleshing it out. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't mean anything. This fucking movie. So, uh, this movie was made in 2016. Mm -hmm. Pretty recent. Yeah, way, way too recent for a lot of things going on. So much recent. It It, it really should be a movie from the mid-90s. 
Like, just mm-hmm. so that there's enough time, distance, emotionally uh, away from this movie to make it more acceptable. But, yeah, but I mean, gosh, it it's should, recent. It should be a made-for-Hallmark movie with no main actors in it, no A-listers. And instead, yeah. this is a movie with William Smith. Fucking stacked. Ed Norton, Michael Pena, Helen Mirren, mm-hmm. Kate Winslet. Yep. Uh, even some of the minor... Oh, what's the woman's name? She was in Moonlight. She plays uh, the... Oh, Naomi Harris. Yes, yes. Ann Dowd. Ann Dowd, who's uh, like, Aunt Lydia in Handmaid's yeah. Tale. Um, like, just throw a stone and try to not hit an A or B list actor, mainly A list actor. Also, almost yes. exclusively either Oscar winning or Oscar nominated. Yeah. Like, almost no one in this movie hasn't at least attended the Oscars in hopes of taking one home. That's so fucked. (laughs) Yep. And, like, directed by a real director. Like, the guy that made Devil Wears Prada Mm -hmm. directed this movie. Yeah, Yeah, Devil Wears Prada's solid. Yeah, for being a a rom-com, I honestly back that movie solidly. It has a good script. It had good direction. And then he did this thing. The guy who wrote this movie, though... Not... Not a not, doesn't, not great. Doesn't turn out the hits. <laughs> no. Turns out some interesting content. Oh fuck! What did he write? I remember Wall Street Money Never Sleeps. Yes, yes. Wall Street Money Never Sleeps. Um, oh, it was a couple. Uh, here comes the boom. Oh, here, here comes he co- the boom. Well, he co-wrote, well, he co-wrote <laughs> that with Doctor Kevin James. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think I read a review where someone described it as uh, all his entire rap sheet is like all the movies you would find in like a bargain bin at a DVD store. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, like he's a working writer, but like writer is kind of like in quotes playfully. That's absolutely right. Yeah, and never has it been uh, more of a misnomer than in this all right, so there's a moment, before we get into the plot, at the very beginning, mm-hmm. Will Smith plays, like, the um, partner at an ad firm, and as Ed Norton's introducing him, he's like, our resident poet-philosopher, our guru who terrifies Madison Avenue, I guarantee that's how the writer of this movie views himself. <laughs> <laughs> like, he wrote a little, like, and then I write myself in, just as Hitchcock did, our resident poet-philosopher. <laughs> so smug. And it- is exactly how the author of this movie sees himself. Uh-huh. It is too bad that he flunked out of grammar school. Gosh. Like this, this movie's pretensions combined with stupidity is off the charts. Yeah, I'm still so, <laughs> I'm still reeling. It doesn't smack you over the head super super fast. I think it it takes like a good twenty minutes before you're really like in it. But Henry, you've spent a lot of my. You were a theater kid for a long time. I t- I, was. I was a film major. You and mm-hmm. I have hung out in circles that are extraordinarily douchier than many have ever had to like yes. inhabit. Yes. And this was just like a like an hour and forty minute flashback to a mm-hmm. bad script that I probably read when I was nineteen. <laughs> yeah, this was totally like every aspect of it was like you were just hitting tape, recording a tape recorder outside of like a freshman philosophy class and a freshman poetry class and a freshman theater class and a freshman film class and then just like cobbling it together into a script. Like the things that they force these extraordinary actors to say out of their human mouths 
is unacceptable. <laughs> it feels like, okay, you know when you go into like a college coffee house and you look around the room and there's a lot of people in like brown pants and edgy like facial hair and they're all either furiously scribbling in like a leather bound notebook or typing furiously on their laptop. It's mm-hmm. like you just made an amalgamation of whatever all of that pretentious but bad bullshit was and just be like, I'm mm-hmm. going to steal all mm-hmm. these. Mm-hmm. I'm going to copy paste it and I'm going to mail it to Mr. William Smith and say, how do you feel about this? <laughs> uh, yeah, let's just let's just get right into plot, eh? Yeah. So. So Will Smith, like you said, is uh, he's the like. One of the two main principals in uh, in an ad agency. The other principals are Ed Norton, who is his Mm co-founder, Kate Winslet, and Michael Pena. Yeah. And uh, we quickly learn that uh, Will Smith has, his daughter has died. It's very sad. And he has proceeded to only, for the last two years, build giant domino sets and knock them down once a day and then sit alone in his apartment <laughs> yeah and not eat yet continues to be the jacked ass will smith that we know Ugh. slightly grayed hair uh so he's been in a long depression uh i want to pause on the dominoes yes. moment for a quick second um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i'm not talking this isn't like a little like dominoes that that you would set up just across the table. This is a multi-table, full room, multi-story. Like, there's entire, like, three-dimensional constructions. It's like watching an OK Go music video. Exactly. He's building <laughs> OK Go music videos on a daily basis. That's exactly and what it is. And it is, honestly, my favorite part of the movie is watching these domino <laughs> constructions go off. Because the second I saw it, I was like, oh, this is really horseshit. But I am here for it. And he, he sets it off. Um, exactly the way a badass in an action film flicks a, flicks a match into a pile of explosives. <laughs> it's a real Denzel And then move. walks away without mm-hmm. looking at the explosion behind them. Mm-hmm. He, like, flicks his domino. The entire amazing thing just collapses in sequence behind him. And he's already out on the street. He's, he's on his way to go spend some time in a dog park staring mm-hmm. at not his own dogs. Um, I loved that part. And I also felt... Like, if there was a movie version of... Remember Clippy from uh, from Microsoft Word? Oh, absolutely I do. So I feel like in that moment... Who doesn't remember Clippy? Well, Clippy... He was my best friend. He's so helpful. I feel like there should have been this little moment, because this, this domino effect happens throughout the film. Clippy should just pop up and say, I see you're trying to construct a visual metaphor. Looks like you <laughs> might need some help. <laughs> It's it's just so heavy-handed and repetitive, and it's uh, it is really funny. It is really like yeah, freshman freshman philosophy film student. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. right, so so Will Smith. Yeah, I started taking notes on things that are over the top in this movie. That is for sure one of them. Uh, there's a long list. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but there's there's also little moments. So the the basic like ensuing action is that. Because Will Smith is like not, like he's, he's like the master brain guru of this uh, ad firm. Yeah. Because he won't do anything anymore, the ad firm is going under, and so they need to sell it, but he won't sell it because he won't talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. And so Kate Winslet and Ed Norton and Michael Pena uh, hire a private detective, played by Ann Dowd, to like 
try to build a case that he's unfit. Yeah. So far, this is like kind of a real movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's sad but the, fair that this... Yeah. Yeah. The first example that we see of the P.I., played by Ann Dowd, following Will Smith, has a couple of wonderful moments that really preview how little thought through this movie is. Uh-huh. Uh, so Will Smith gets on his bike, bikes away from his apartment, across the street, gets off of his bike. Yeah. <laughs> he does, a, a, true, a true ad exec does not use his legs. <laughs> no. At least to walk, uh, not his feet. Puts... Puts these letters, they're letters to well, to love, time, and death, we la- later learn, uh, in the mailbox, and then bikes away. Mm-hmm. Uh, immediately thereafter, and <laughs> I remember this part. Why is, it, up, why is it like this? In a bike rickshaw. <laughs> and <coughs> takes a picture, and then again bikes away. <laughs> but then later tells us that she... Broke into using the... Using a key... She like breaks into the yeah, mailbox. Yeah, she commits a felony. She's in the fucking middle of Manhattan. Yeah, she's in, in like broad downtown Manhattan and just committing like a real across the board um, obvious felony a, in public. A strong federal offense. <laughs> uh, why did she take a picture of the mailbox then? What's the point of the oh, mailbox? Oh, just in case you you know you know when you never forget a face. <laughs> Why? Who picked out bike rickshaw? Because I was watching that and I was like, okay, like in movies where there's a PI, usually that PI either has like a driver or like a sketchy means of like blending in with his background, you know, like Mm -hmm. I have a mustache Mm -hmm. or I have a dark car with tinted windows, something to kind of be covert. She went with the most confusing option and... I think a good drinking game for this movie would be whenever a person or vehicle just goes out into moving traffic. Yeah. It's New York City. Everyone would be dead by the end of this movie. Immediately. It happens all the time. Across the board, every character just dives out in front of a taxi cab, and the taxi cab beeps the horn, and then it's like, another person does it, and then another person does it, and she's in a bike rickshaw. (laughs) And then immediately thereafter... Will Smith goes riding his bike into oncoming Manhattan traffic at night, which is the second of the a little over-the-top things this movie is doing. Just film that. The man has a suicide wish. Like, just film that. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Oh, it should be said at this point that uh, this is a Christmas movie. Yes. This is a Christmas movie about a dead daughter. Uh Uh-huh. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Uh, Hold your loved one close, loved ones close, because death is imminent and around every de- turn. Death is at the doorstep, and also an extremely annoying British theater lady personified, uh, which we'll get to in a moment. Mm-hmm. The, but like because it's a Christmas movie, this movie can't decide what tone it wants to carry throughout the movie. Yeah, because sometimes it is extraordinarily depressing, and sometimes it's like light and cheeky. Like, it's, t- it's like an ABC sitcom. Yeah. It's like fucking modern family light and cheeky. Yeah, Hallmark uh, movie-esque and then straight into like Lifetime movie-esque. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, so fast forward, we learn some things about the main characters uh, early on. We learn that Ed Norton, uh, he like 
cheated on his wife and got divorced, and his daughter hates him. His daughter, who's this, like, really annoying, precocious little kid. Yeah. Uh, and Kate Winslet, man, uh, oh, for her voluptuous figure so... as Corset Kate, oh. they just, they hit you over the head how much she wants a baby. I want to murder all of these male writers that continue to write (laughs) roles for women where people are willing to cut a deal with the devil and lose their motherfucking minds because of their baby box. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Her entire life. She wants is a consumed. baby so bad, Michelle. So bad. She'll do anything. It's almost like she's a wealthy white woman working at an ad agency, and she could just adopt a child, and it'd be super, super easy. Yes. She could buy a child in the black market for her she money. Do she whatever she grand. wants. She could go have yeah. someone else have that baby, but it's a really big obstacle because lady problems. <laughs> it's. I hate. It. I hate it so, so much. They did her uh, dirty. She's like, she's Kate Winslet. Yeah, she gets that's the and that's the most character depth you're ever gonna see. It, it's it's her only motivation. Her background is quite literally a pamphlet on a table, and that is it. Mm-hmm. Everyone else gets mm-hmm. a little bit of like depth peppered in character background and maybe an additional character. She gets a pamphlet that you see in like a side shot. That's yes, cool, cool, yes. cool. Sometimes she searches sperm donors. That's true. Uh, <laughs> she's doing some some non-work-related work. Yeah, she's got robust Googling happening yes. for some way for her to make a human baby. Uh, so, flash forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, they keep trying to, like, talk to Will Smith, and they can't. And then uh, Ed Norton, like, Kieran Knightley has a good, like, a better line of the casting call line for a commercial. Yeah. Ed Norton follows her to uh, an empty theater where she and Helen Mirren and Jacob Lattimore are practicing a, like some kind of Shakespeare-ish play. Uh, yeah, he follows Karen and... Knightley across the street and down into like a theater basement where she proceeds to just pick up where the script left off because two other adults are just rehearsing in the dark without her and then she just kind of mm-hmm. jumps in midstream. What mm-hmm. is this play where one person <laughs> can just functionally be absent for as much as they want and then just jump on in? Right, in the middle of that scene, like, they would have been practicing a different scene, presumably. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, she just... That's, having been in plays, that is how it works. Yeah. <laughs> uh... So, so through this, Ed Norton, Kate Winslet, Michael Pena hatch a plan to catfish Will Smith with the concepts of time, love, and death. Because Will Smith has been writing letters, yes. writing letters, I'm love, and basically they want to uh, either convince him that he's crazy or use this. To, it's like it's not made clear at this stage what they're trying to accomplish with this abstract concept catfishing yeah so and at the very beginning you can tell this didn't come out within the last couple of years because uh helen mirren has to explain to the entire room what gaslighting is was that not a thing that people knew like i don't think it was a common term in 2016 it wasn't a thing that no one knew but i don't think it was like as bandied about as it is now because she does have to like explicitly spell it out and then they all give like like, the history of the term yeah like (laughs) exactly it was a play then it was a movie it means exactly this thing yeah did nobody know yeah and so the grand plan is essentially that they're going to make him believe that these three um abstract ideas have all come to life and are tormenting him throughout his daily life yes uh 
to summon oh. to prove that he's unfit to serve on the board anymore. Right. So that they can sell yeah. their company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and this is where we're introduced to Helen Mirren in... I love Helen Mirren in the most annoying role I have... I could imagine seeing her. She is... Yeah. So extra in She's this very movie. extra, and it feels like she... Okay, so the gravity of her character fits a rom-com, and yet she yes. is nonstop confronting a grieving, bereaved, childless man. And a dying man. Those are her two interactions. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's mainly focusing... Michael Pena is... Uh, it's revealed that he's sick. So as he's confronting someone who represents time, time's running out. Ooh. But yeah, she's uh, she's wearing like a whimsical feather boa and making quippy dialogue. And you're just like, dude, both these people have not had a scene without tears in their eyes. This feels off tone. Yeah. She, she's all over the place. She also keeps volunteering to play the other parts. Uh yeah, she really dives in with a gusto that should be suspicious to everyone. Uh-huh. Uh, so she plays, she's set up to play Death. Yeah. Uh, Jacob Lattimore is set up to play Time. And Kira Knightley is set up to play Love. Why, and, uh, why is Kira Knightley the only British person allowed to have a British accent in this movie? It is, it is truly there strange. There are a lot of Brits. could have the rest of them be British. I guess we just raised too many questions, and nobody believes that Keira Knightley is not British in America, I guess? I guess, because Kate Winslet does have a very, I would say, pretty good American accent. Helen Mirren yeah. is doing that theater thing where she's made... Mid-Atlantic. Yeah, where it kind of doesn't matter. And then, I f yeah, I feel like there's a lot, of, a lot of Brits pop up in this movie. Naomi but Harris is British, isn't she? Oh, is she? Yeah, I actually don't I know. So. Uh, I think so. But yeah, they they really and I and doubt is American. Yeah, oh yeah, so uh, really they they cast so many Brits, which is like something you don't normally see unless you're casting for Love Actually. But all of them have to read as American, except Kira Knightley, who I guess just does too much chin acting for that to be believable or possible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, and in, this is a small aside, but in Signs, this movie is set in an alternative universe or written by a person that does not live in New York City. <laughs> Michael Pena says that apartments in Brooklyn cost $600 a month in rent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm waiting for the um, the second Alec, our friend Alex, who is just on the podcast, hears this. She's going to be livid. <laughs> yeah, it's... Th this hasn't been true for, like, 60 since, years. Since, the, like, yeah, the motherfucking 70s or something. I don't yeah. even know. But um, also... I mean, to its, it's a movie, but, like, the cleanest streets you'll ever see in a snowy mm -hmm. uh, December New York mm -hmm. City. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, yeah, like, they start spending time with the, the like, character actors. Michael Pena spends time with Helen Mirren. Uh, Kira Knightley spends time with Ed Norton, who's mm -hmm. just, like, aggressively hitting on her the entire time. Hardcore. He's uh, really a man at the end of his rope. He's living with his mom in what seems like it's Queens. He's in a shabby house. Mm -hmm. His mom has dementia. He's fed up with his mom. Everything about it is just really callous and crass. And then he hires someone to gaslight his best friend. And yes. meanwhile is shamelessly and aggressively hitting on her to his own detriment. It's really mm -hmm. like watching someone bottom out. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and Kate, Kate Winslet spends time with time who is just constantly, like, getting into her fertility business. Yeah. And she keeps being like, you're too young. 
we're not having this conversation at all. And every time one of those moments pops up, I'm like, yeah, girl, like, uh-huh. you don't have to talk to, like, a 19-year-old about your, like, ovaries. It's just not appropriate in any setting. But but pursue her, he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Helen Mirren approaches Will Smith. Uh, and in one of the high points of the movie, how she is dressed is one of the only things this movie I liked. She's in a blue beret, a blue boa, a blue coat. Like, she's... She should be playing Mrs. Peacock in Clue. She's absolutely (laughs) dressed as Mrs. Peacock in Clue. That's totally right. It's great. It's a a fun costume choice. It's not appropriate if you're playing death in a drama tragedy comedy. But, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. she looks fun Uh, and whimsical. In a a depressing romp. uh, (laughs) A depressing romp is definitely how you should describe this movie. (laughs) Uh... The, it also has the other uh, really nice aspect. Uh, two only highlights. So they've part of this whole thing is they've like they're committed to convince Will Smith that he's losing his mind. I know. So uh, Helen Mirren is is death, and they say you're not supposed to be able to see Helen Mirren. In some cases, you can decide who sees her or not. Yeah. And so Anne Dowd walks down a street uh, with a child. To convince Will Smith that nobody else can see Helen Mirren. Uh-huh. This comes back as a nonsensical moment later, uh, but it's a nice moment in that segment. Like, yeah, like they really orchestrated a Truman Show esque. Uh, you're fucking crazy, and no one can see this person. Yes, and this is part of where the like the tone of this movie makes is like makes no sense because in that moment it is very lighthearted. Like, yes. Yeah, like we're all playing a little joke, and he's also the, the I would even call it banter. Like the back and forth he has with Helen Mirren is kind of funny. You know, he mm-hmm. gets up and gives her like a nope, I'm walking away, and he's being he's charismatic Will Smith. It's like reading still as like drama light. Mm-hmm. It takes mm-hmm. a turn later. It <laughs> pretty, sure does pretty quickly, and for yeah, yeah, for the rest of the movie. Uh, so. Yeah, each character interacts with Will Smith. Mm-hmm. It's like fine. Yeah. He doesn't seem to care. Yeah, a little bit. like he, he doesn't love it. He doesn't hate it. It's just like he's brushing okay. it off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then they decide uh, to try it again, and you get the second pass at uh, the the author. We're really trying to show you how smart he is because uh, yeah. you get. Reference after fucking reference. Uh, this isn't Noel Coward. This is Chekhov. Uh, they're doing it in the Hegel Theater. Oh. Hegel, who's like, who, who, like a philosopher who is really into reductive abstract concepts. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it is fucking weird pseudo intellectual bullshit. Uh, <laughs> I think you referred to this movie when we were texting earlier as Chicken Soup for the Pseudo Intellectual Soul, the movie, and it's, it's exactly incredibly accurate. It's exactly what this is. Because they have these, like, long chicken soup for the soul type monologues talking about what love is and what death is and what time is. Oh, yeah, I wrote all those down. All the letters he wrote. (laughs) Who cares? Uh, I feel like I want to read them, but I want to see if I can throw, like, a running bass line behind it when I do and make it seem mm -hmm. like I'm doing coffee room. (laughs) Like, slam poetry. You can give me some snaps later. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, So... Meanwhile, well, okay, so the idea here is that they're going to have 
love time and death confront him again but they're gonna film him yeah so they can digitally remove this part made me crazy love time and death (laughs) from it so it looks like he's yelling at nobody uh so that they can like render him incompetent so they can vote his shares yeah uh i wanted to talk to you as a professional film editor (laughs) yeah uh whether or not the thing they do in this movie is possible, and if not, if that's the point, and if so, if there are some other things this movie forgot about midway through. Uh, uh, the filming so, thing, yes, we'll, we'll get yeah. to that. That made me nuts. Uh, basically. Yeah, so, please, please. Well, basically, okay, so they, they all have a meeting with the three actors. Like, this movie could be called Three Fucks in a Basement. It's like these mm-hmm. three reprehensible humans that get mm-hmm. conned on the... Not conned. Get persuaded on the spot with no prior interaction to just be the linchpin in this terrible plan. Um, they all work... For $20,000, to be fair. For twenty grand a piece. Yeah. Yeah. And so they workshop this idea where they're going to do some kind of like, we're filming him on the street and he's going to have a flip out, but we'll make it look like he's doing it all on his own and just ranting in public. Number one, he has been for two years alone Mm -hmm. in his office, just building dominoes and then letting them collapse and then going home. And that's all the work he can possibly contribute you could just set up a camera in yeah, his office. Yeah, he's incompetent. Like, yeah. There's, and there's also just no record of any work or public appearance or absolutely anything. It would be so easy to force him out based only on his absence. You don't mm-hmm. have to prove a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, second of all, this might be nitpicky, but and Dad, who's the PI in charge of filming all these interactions, and then later, I guess, sending it to a high-end production studio to digitally remove all these other humans on the streets of Manhattan... Yes. She's filming it with like a shitty, like with a 2016 cell phone handheld Mm -hmm. in her lap Mm -hmm. from very far away. There are just so many other humans to remove. Mm -hmm. It's a shaky camera. I just, I couldn't, my editor's brain was so frustrated that she didn't at least put it on a tripod. Come on, lady. (laughs) (laughs) How are you going to edit people out? You don't have a clean shot. (laughs) I mean, like she is at one point, Helen Mirren and Will Smith are on the subway together, and she is behind Helen Mirren. Yeah. Helen Mirren is entirely in the way, and later you get a video where it's just Will Smith. So, like, you would have to completely reanimate Will Smith's whole body yeah. to make that shot work. Yeah, it's amazing. The idea, it kind of reminds me of, like, um, either, like, a whimsical little kid or a very old person that doesn't really understand what CGI is, but they're like, mm-hmm. it's going to get fixed with cgi use computers at it yeah hack into the matrix and do it (laughs) yeah uh so at this point we are now a couple of uh stages into will smith has been going to like look into the window and then eventually go into this like grief counseling uh yeah for shop workshop you know grief counsel you know uh, Mm -hmm. support group yeah Workshop, <laughs> fucking. <heavy. laughs> uh, where they, they're workshopping you know, they their anger into grief. screenplays that will later become this movie. Yeah, uh, yeah, the grief counseling mm-hmm. uh, support group uh, run by Naomi Harris, and uh, when like the everything this movie sets up is that like he's he's been floating around out there, nobody knows him. He goes in, huh? they're like. 
who are you? Do you want to share your name? Do you want to talk about this at all? Yeah. My name is whatever the hell her name is. Uh, and then, like, eventually he does go inside. He won't talk about it. He leaves. Mm-hmm. Then he and Naomi Harris, like, go on sort of a grief date mm-hmm. uh, where they're, like, getting to know each other, uh, sharing aspects of their stories. Yeah. Uh, and that's sort of the end of it. Uh, this will come back. Just put a little pin in here. Uh-huh. Yeah, she shares uh, a story that, like, she she asks him how long he's been separated from his wife because she's assuming that he's also the divorce, the marriage couldn't handle the the child passing away, and then she shares her own story and says, this is this card my husband gave me the day we got divorced, and it says, I wish we could be strangers again. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, but asks, like, yeah, real get-to-know-you questions. Yep. Real, real strong get to know uh-huh, you questions. Uh-huh. Uh, so let's, we'll come back to that. Yeah. Uh, we're now in the segment where like Helen Mirren and Kira Knightley and Jacob Lattimore are like really also trying to work on like Ed Norton and, uh, and Michael Pena and Kate Winslet. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ed Norton is coming on real hard to Kira Knightley. So and aggressive. she decides to use her feminine wiles to like get him to talk about love and he says, it's like, this is the moment, the most where it's like, why does everybody talk like this yeah. in this movie? <laughs> She's like, tell, tell me about your daughter's birth. He said, I was holding her and I realized I wasn't feeling love. I, I had was. become love. Yeah. What? Nobody talks like this. Also, this character is like emotionally adolescent. Like he barely has a life. He's kind of, and he like earlier on in the movie, it must be noted that his mom who has suffered a sh- stroke is uh, barely there. He has to explain to her that he's her son and, like, mm-hmm. she's paranoid about, like, something going on on the outside of her house and he's like, oh, well, I, I gave the raccoons, the raccoons are have, like, transmitters and they've all been talking to me and we're coordinating something. And, like, he's, like, playing into her sort of psychosis mm-hmm. and then explains it to his friends later, like, well, someone told me once that I should just play along instead of trying to tether her to reality, and it's really working out, because all the wackadoo things she keeps saying, he's, like, not painted as a sensitive character. He's basically this guy who's kind of, like, my only outlet is to screw with my mom and then speak about it callously to my friends, <laughs> which means, which is fine, but then it's not fine if he's also, like, I became love when I looked deep into the eyes of my baby daughter. Just, like, pick a lane. Be, be a little become, fuck fuck. I become love. Yeah, just, just, just be an asshole. Just, yeah. Just, I, Let one character be an like asshole. And then Karen says, I'm so attracted to you right now. Or some shit, like, I've never, movie. like, yeah. <laughs> Why? Girl, like uh, feeling. The, uh, so, that's a whole thing. Yeah. Uh, back, there's a moment I want to talk about. Uh, where... Uh, <laughs> Helen Mirren and uh, and Will Smith are on the subway. Yeah. And Helen Mirren is like trying to make a case about that like death is not the end or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Will Smith recites a series of poems to her about death. And yeah. he, he gives a, a Walt Whitman poem. Uh-huh. Uh, and says Whitman. Yep. He gives a Dylan Thomas poem. Do not you know, go gently into that good night or yep, whatever. Yep, yep. Uh, and then he says, row, 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 row your boat, boat. <laughs> gently down the stream, merrily, 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 life is but a dream. I get it. I get it. 
So those three things are equal in his mind. Is I mean, I will grant that the end of Row 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 Your Boat does take a real twist. Mm-hmm. Is it about death though? Is that what the is that what it's about? Yeah. I don't know if he Okay, because the first few things he says, he cites, yeah, he cites Walt Whitman, he cites poetry, he also talks about um, Christianity and spirituality, Mm -hmm, and you're kind of like, mm -hmm. all right, this guy's been saving up a lot of feelings for this big emotional sort of intellectual rant. Mm-hmm. And then he ends it like a real crazy person on the subway, which <laughs> right. is him just screaming, row, row, row your boat at Helen Mirren. Just top, like the kind of yelling where if you looked over, you'd be like, that old woman needs an intervention. Someone needs to help out because that's just a guy screaming down at an old, old woman. <laughs> and I, I just love that that's his closer. That's right? his closer. Like, is it about death? I, is it? I mean, like, I, Ring around the rosies about the Black Plague, I right? Mean, so, like, is that? But is Michelle is is row row? Is that what it's about? Because that, life is but a dream doesn't seem like that on its own is about death. That's really interesting. You know, I guess I wouldn't be totally floored if it was. Let's all learn something here today, because yeah, I, it, we're, it's, we're, taking, it's kinda, we're taking a look. Kind of seems. A, Apropos, it's uh, a metaphor for or going with the flow, like the Tao yeah. of none. Uh, nothing that I can see suggests that it's about death. Okay, so the writer of this film just sort of grabbed that one by the horns and decided to throw it in there just to make him look extra cuckoo banana pants, like mm-hmm. right there at the end, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right when you thought maybe he was saying something smart. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, so, so then they confront, they like have their big meeting. Yeah. Uh, and they confront Will Smith with the videos of him like yelling at nobody. Helen Mirren and Jacob Lattimore and Karen Knightley are magically erased out. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, he looks real crazy. Uh, there's a nice moment where uh, somebody says, turn off the video and then the screen very slowly eases into the ceiling. You watch the whole way. The action in the movie stops. Nobody's doing anything. While you watch these TVs slowly sink into the ceiling. Someone created a practical effect and they were like, shut up. Simon did that. Simon did a lot of good work in this room for a whole week. A whole week. Keep it on the screen. Everyone acknowledge him and all the things he did. In this fucking padded boardroom. Yeah. It's a weird office. Uh, yeah. They also, they all, everybody in this office works in like uh, fucking like COVID sneeze guard uh, booths. Like, yeah, it's like, a, it's like a newsroom that's open air, like open concept, but then also cubicle, but also the cubicles are, yeah, COVID sneeze guard glass. So... Sometimes I get the idea that someone hears the word modern and they're like, modern, Mm -hmm. everything is white, everything is bright, everything is sleek, everything is transparent. Screens, 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 screens. (laughs) It's just kind of Is this a a real office? Does somebody work in that? Because for what, the acoustics in a space like that would be impossible. Also, you see like these creative teams all like workshopping stuff and bouncing ideas off each other. There's like eight people just yelling and throwing a football around. You're like, God, can you imagine if you were the accountant? 
Like, these guys are all getting incorrect paychecks because he won't shut up next to my plexiglass cubicle. Uh, oh, uh, man. Yeah, that, that office sucks. But, yeah, he, uh, he's very stoic. He really takes it on the chin. He just absorbs mm-hmm. the information that he has become a full on, uh, a man with full psychosis. Like, yes. imaginary everything. And he, he does not seem bothered by it. In fact, uh, he, he digs in. Yeah. He doubles down. And and he reveals, in one of the, I would say, more confusing parts of the movie. Omnipotence? He reveals that he knows everything yeah. about all three characters' he knows someone's recent dying. lives. Yeah. Yeah. He knows Michael Pena's dying. The other, uh, fucking Ed Norton and Kate Winslet do not know that. Mm-hmm. They don't seem to react in any way to suggest that it's a surprising or even interesting information to them. But he does know. He knows that Kate Winslet... He's also obsessed with Kate Winslet's uterus. Okay, but to be fair, as we said before, plexiglass sneeze guard cubicles, <laughs> and all she's doing is, like, browsing sperm donors at work while she's supposed to be doing other things. So I That's... think he gets a pass there because almost anyone could deduce that that clock is ticking. <laughs> <laughs> the lady baby crazy. It's fair. Yeah. Uh, but he also knows that Ed Norton's daughter doesn't want to spend Christmas with him, which only Ed Norton and his daughter and the fucking Bell doorman yeah. <laughs> could possibly know. Yeah, three people in New York City besides that girl's biological mom and her new like stepdad know that she's going to, I think, the Bahamas with the other parent. He's like, omnipotent. How does he? How does Is he Will Smith him? Santa? Is he an angel? Uh, That would have been a cool twist. I actually would have been more on board for that twist than what happens at the end of this movie. Yes. Secret Santa. We we get a lot of crazy shit from, really from that moment on. Like, Will Smith's revelation that he, one, he like sells the company, he doesn't even care. Uh, He he knows everything about everybody, so he is omnipotent. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and omniscient, and uh, and then we, and yeah, and the, like Ed Norton and Kate Winslet do not give a fuck about Michael Pena, it, as it turns out. Yeah, uh, no, they don't give a fuck. Don't, there are no follow up questions once it's revealed. They don't bat an eye. Like there was direction in that, right? Like at some point, you had to figure Kate Winslet and Ed Norton were like, should we? Even a glance, should, even a glance. Should we care? Yeah, even should just we... dart your eyes over and be like, oh no, the man's not got right. much time left. <laughs> no, they they definitely just power on through. Yeah, like, I mean, they're just so obsessed with their own shit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and then we, like, get all of uh, the, like, denouement of basically, like, people dropping off the checks to Helen Mirren and Kira Knightley and uh, Jacob Lattimore. Yeah, everyone gets their or 20 not, grand. Yeah, maybe not even Kira Knightley. I don't even know if we return to Kira Knightley at the end. Uh, oh, yeah, she's out of the movie at this point. Yeah, so she never gets her money. Uh-huh. I guess she's, she does say she doesn't want the money. Uh, and also but, the the weird sexual tension, the one-way sexual tension between her and Ed Norton <laughs> never pays off or has any bearing on the rest of the story. It was just no. him being an obnoxious, like, predator for, like, a mm-hmm. full hour, and then she mm-hmm. just escapes him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and just disappears into the wind. Yes. Uh, so, uh, so Kate Winslet catches up with Jacob Lattimore. Uh and has, you know, a, like a brief statement about not being, not getting to be a mom because time, whatever, whatever. 
And <sighs> Jacob Lattimore at time says the following things. His speech. The, I had to, I wrote it down. I had to rewind it and write it down. Because like. I'm glad you did. Makes, I meant to. <laughs> it makes zero sense. Nope. There was this dust dealer. I don't know what that is. Up on okay, 187th. Who gave me Brave New World. That book turned hours into seconds. He was my father. And there was this homeless woman who lived under the University Heights Bridge. Her name was Flora. She was batshit crazy, but she told me the greatest stories. She was my mother. See, Claire, your children don't have to come from you. They go, <laughs> go through, through you. you. <laughs> I remember that. I wrote that part down. So, uh, first of all, this poor boy. His parents, his biggest life's teachers have been a guy who either sold him coke or sold him angel dust. One of the two. Mm -hmm. Very unfortunate. Gave Mm -hmm. him a book one time. Dead death. Mm -hmm. And then crazy lady under bridge. Lots of stories. Makes no sense. Mama. Mm -hmm. So here's a good lesson for you woman who works at an ad agency (laughs) and is worried about the like finite uh, finite linear time and your reproductive organs. Let your children pass through you. Goodbye. Excuse me. Yeah, like excuse me. There is Question. there is not a word in that monologue that provides any meaning or information or solace. Like right. none of like, all the things he said were super distressing. <laughs> like he could have been like I had this wonderful teacher growing up even though they were my next door neighbor they taught me everything it means to be like a young man in this world or something like just you know like a reassuring like paternal or maternal figure he mentions like two scary scary humans that somehow mm-hmm. raised his young brain so don't worry <laughs> you got plenty of time you to- you too can have a weird baby who steals money you could be the lady under the bridge. Don't worry yeah. about it. Or you could be a drug dealer. You've got options, Kate Winslet. You're corset Kate. You're from the... <laughs> You've got voluptuous curves. Anything <laughs> is possible. Your children don't have to come from you. They go through you. <laughs> what the fuck? Like, in a different movie... I was thinking about it because that line really pissed me off. And then I was like, wait, but in a con- the context of a different movie that was all about maybe like being a meaningful teacher in someone's life Mm -hmm. and if it was Mm -hmm. preceded by a bunch of better information that could maybe seem a little poignant like yeah like you channel all of your like teachings and life's lessons and like you're kind of like a conduit to create better people i hate the writer of this movie but i also love him because Mm -hmm. it really just feels like a guy just you know scribbling into his little journal when he's like 21 and then mm-hmm. he shows it to his friend. He shows it to he shows it to a girl to impress her. Let's be fair. <laughs> He's trying to get laid. <laughs> and that script is this movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Uh, uh, she liked it though. She responded positively to that speech. She, she did. She did. She smiled. Yep. Yep. Uh, and and then we get. Uh, so she she hands Jacob Lattimore a, like an envelope full of cash. Yeah. And then Michael Pena hands Helen Mirren a check, which is a fun contrast. Uh, she also has to it, go downtown to like a sort of sketch, or she has to go somewhere kind of like a sketchy neighborhood to go visit uh, Time, to visit the, mm-hmm. what is his name, Jacob Vladimir? Vlad- J- Jacob Vladimir. Vladimir, yeah. So she goes, she brings him back a bag of loose cash in his sketchy neighborhood. <laughs> and mm-hmm. like, I mean, 
It's pretty racist. It is. It is extremely racist. Especially when we learn more about them later. Yeah. Uh, then, yeah, Michael Pena gives a check to Helen Mirren, and they talk about him dying. Then Helen Mirren says, nothing's ever really dead if you look at it right. Which is another thing of like, <laughs> words have to mean something, movie! <laughs> Especially because, like, this movie doesn't really, like, lead to... You're not supposed to feel a connection to the afterlife. This isn't Ghost. Mm -hmm. If it was Ghost mm -hmm. and you were feeling like maybe, you know, maybe the thin film between the here and the hereafter is is more wavy and less substantial than you think, like, yeah, okay, Patrick Swayze as Ghost could tell me that. But Helen right. Mirren as an extant human woman who's just receiving a $20,000 paycheck, I don't think you've earned that credit, my friend. I, I so agree. Uh, so then, uh, we follow Will Smith yeah. to Naomi Harris's house. Yeah. And my first thought is, how does Will Smith know where Naomi Harris lives? Yeah, that's super it'll, creepy. Yeah, it'll answer that in a second. Mm -hmm. Uh, and she invites him in. Yeah. And we learn that, uh, that they're, they, they're the parents of the dead child. Naomi Harris yep. was his wife. Yep. She too has been actively gaslighting will smith yep. and him in reciprocally like they have they have been acting out this bizarre pantomime of strangerdom for to what end i could not say uh but our our big twist is that ha naomi harris the whole is time. Oh, shit. what but like and, like, the big breakthrough moment is she makes him say his daughter's name and the name of the disease that she died from. And he says it, like, six times. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a mouthful. And, uh, and then he, she shows a video. So early on, you get an image of, like, him swinging his daughter. And it's, like, kind of how you know that he's sad about his daughter. It's a memory. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But then the video is that Point image, of view. Which means that the camera was, like, on his chest. Or face. But, right, but face. <laughs> and then, like, suddenly flies off to Naomi Harris. Like, they'd done a real, like, hand, like a baton handoff midway through swinging the daughter. The movie's idea of what cell phones are capable of capturing is really imaginative and confusing. Like, mm -hmm. you can have a first person's perspective of you spinning your daughter around in circles in the park with both hands, and then that daughter can change hands, and the shot will continue seamlessly onto a next adult. It's like he's a human drone. He's some kind <laughs> Which, of, you like... Know, <laughs> he isn't not in this movie. Well, that's how he knows everybody's got all these secrets. <laughs> <laughs> This, you go, you zoom out from the scene with Edward Norton talking to his bratty daughter, and just a wide shot of a loud-ass drone hiding in the stairwell, filming them from, like, eight feet away. Oh, dear. Uh, yeah, uh, so that's the twist. It makes a lot of things make so much less sense. It's like the opposite of a beautiful mind. Yeah. It's not, it, it does not clarify. His charade or his crazy, whichever one you want to believe it is, either he's been pretending to not know his wife or he's actually crazy, crazy, crazy. Whatever way it's supposed to be or you read it, it makes the movie, like, I, you want to watch it back and be like, but then how? But, no, but she then. She asks him get to know you question. She asks <laughs> if he's divorced. <laughs> yeah. 
What a fucking crazy thing for your ex-wife to ask you. And and if he's not playing along and he's earnestly just answering all these questions with tears in his eyes the entire film, then, like, get this man some actual help. I don't know what's yeah. happening. Yeah, or hire some actors to catfish him. Uh, this movie is like secret evil Truman Show. It absolutely is. Where you is. just torment a grieving parent into admitting that they shouldn't be, that they're not financially um, stable or that they shouldn't yeah. be held financially accountable. At, for, in this Christmas movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and then they like, then you sort of get the reveal that Helen Mirren actually is death and Jacob Lattimore actually is time and Keira Knightley actually is love, uh, which also raises some interesting questions. Yes. So, uh, I'm curious what questions you have. I have some. Yeah. Okay. The last thing that is important. There's two last things. One important (laughs) last thing. There's a flashback moment. Um, Collateral beauty, which I feel like that phrase. How many times would you guess that it gets said? I, I didn't write it down. I should have. I would say six. It seemed like a lot more than six. Six to ten. Because then they say it again and again, like different times in the movie. But later in the movie, there's at the very, very end, there's a flashback. And it's um, Naomi, what's her last name? Uh, Harris. Naomi Harris is outside of her dying daughter's hospital room. And mm-hmm. she's grieving. And she, <laughs> this old woman whose face you can't see right away says are you losing someone and she says yes and she says try to search for the collateral beauty and it's old ass Helen Mirren but she looks really Mm -hmm. bad Mm -hmm. so she's been there the whole time watching these people yes and then at the end of the movie you get a shot of Will Smith and uh and Naomi oh my god I'm having a stroke Please. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, so Naomi Harris and Will Smith are walking through Central Park under this footbridge, and the three, time, love, and death, are watching them walk away, and then he looks back and they're gone. So everything in this movie is magical, but also mm-hmm. that makes the movie infinitesimally worse, like so much worse. Like every part of it that had any kind of like bankable emotional credit is now just gone. Yes. Because why was anyone real? Yeah, so... <laughs> why did they the, need this right, construct like, of him being forced out of the board? Because like, the moment it happens, there's like zero conflict. He just says, okay, I'm so yeah. sorry. And yeah, then just, that's done. Have to call the meeting. Uh, I have more questions than that. So, uh, why, why do Helen Mirren and Jacob Lattimore accept the money? Like... These abstract concepts take $20,000, yeah. one of them from a dying man, the other one from a woman that's trying to adopt a child. Yes. Like, yeah. The, what, what do they need $20,000 for? Is there st- they haggle. They haggle for more money in the beginning. Oh, yeah. And Helen Mirren is thirsty for it, too. Her character yes. is arguably the most like morally reprehensible because she's not just getting on board reluctantly. Kira Knightley is hesitant the whole time and like speaks out about how terrible of an idea this is. Helen Mirren's like fighting tooth and nail for it. And then like you said, goes on to be like, I want to play all the other parts. Give me more action. Let me talk to Mm -hmm. everybody. I love this. So is there like a greater human lesson that for one man to like heal from his grieving, three other people need to suffer? (laughs) 
<laughs> it takes a village. It's sort of drops of blood. Yeah. Because uh, he's getting Bubble, bubble, to... toil, and trouble, baby. I mean, the impetus for him to have, like, to financial... Like, the impetus for um, Michael Pena to force Will Smith to sell the company is so that he can leave his family like a nest egg when he passes yes. away very soon. Yes. And yes. and these three people that are like evil angels mm-hmm. are basically like, yeah, but I want to cut. <laughs> right. We will take your money. Thank you. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Uh, for more money. Fee, yes. Happy holidays. Yeah. Also, it is the movie cannot decide if Ann Dowd can see them or not. So, one of the things that I I read oh. in the, like, IMDb trying to understand what's going on in this movie oh. is, like, the, you can kind of explain away the completely, like, crazy impossible editing out thing if yes. he's actually yelling at nobody. Which the movie does suggest at the end yeah. that he's actually yelling at nobody. Yes. However, and out in the beginning is part of this, like, elaborate scheme to convince him that he's talking to nobody. Yeah. Which, if you're trying to, like, execute this whole strategy, you wouldn't do. In fact, Michael Pena then says later that Ann Dowd said how good Helen Mirren was being. So, like... Yeah, yeah, they do reference them. And also, like... <sighs> yeah, and I mean, all these interactions that he has with these paid individuals, supposedly. Like... And Dowd isn't present for every moment of Will Smith's life. Only these little strategic moments. Mm-hmm. But if there are no humans really there, how is she there? How yeah. is she ever there in her weird rickshaw bicycle? How does she know to, to, to follow him while, while he's biking down the street? Yeah. It makes you, like, so we're now to believe that she's just never, she works 24 hours around the clock. The budget mm-hmm. for this gaslighting is not just the 20 grand per angel evil angel it's mm-hmm. also theoretically the post-production team that's going to edit out all of the humans and crowded scenarios yes. yes you know or not but theoretically mm-hmm. and then also and dowd just working literally around the clock for weeks and weeks and weeks to film his every waking moment from her 2016 cell phone and presumably insurance against her legal exposure for committing federal crimes yeah. for this relatively small-scale contract. She had a key made to unlock a public mailbox. Like a... <laughs> I love it. The stakes are so unbelievably low for her to do something so intense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like a typical PI job. There's no, like, espionage or, like, government yeah. element that would necessitate no her... fucking nuclear launch codes involved in this. <laughs> yeah. It's not the Manchurian candidate. She just, like, has a key to a Manhattan... I love it. This movie makes yeah. sense, is the thing about it. Yeah. This this movie's fucking garbage doo-doo nonsense. It's so crazy. And then, oh, 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 and the best part, at the very end, after Will Smith has his breakthrough, where he mm-hmm. says his daughter's name and the disease that killed her just over and over and over in a row, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see a slow-motion shot of Domino's collapsing in sequence in that boardroom where he's built them get it because his walls are coming down get it (laughs) you idiot 
that actually should be how this movie ends. There's like the sad music because it ends with a song that I think is called "Let's Feel the Pain Together" or "Let's Feel the Pain Tonight." Oh my god! It's like every every heavy-handed moment is underlined by a more heavy-handed moment. It's a very Lifetime movie. I feel like it should just say like in sparkly holiday uh, calligraphy, "Get it, you fucks," and then just <laughs> you don't get it. Go home. I feel like it just needs like a galaxy brain image, just, like zooming into the screen at the end of it. Oh, uh, my God. So the the plot keywords in the parents' guide, neither of which are like as buck wild as some of them, but there's some good stuff here. That's cool. Yeah, because there's no like sexual element or real violence. That Will Smith throws a skateboard across the street. I think that's it for violence. Frightening and intense scenes. A character angrily hurls a skateboard across the street. Yeah, I got it. (laughs) Sex and nudity. A character comments, I've had sex without sexualizing it, which is one of the many terrible lines in this movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, uh, plot keywords. A lot of them are reasonable plot keywords. Sure. But some of them, some of them are less so. It's a family movie, Uh, kind of. So, you do get African American as a plot keyword. Huh? Yeah, huh? sure. Okay. Thanks. Why not? Right on. Uh, video recording. Uh, yes. Letter read aloud. Reading a letter aloud. Oh, yeah. Reading letter. Oh, reading a yeah. letter. Stolen letter. Domino fall. Yes, obviously. Yep, yep. Uh, cancer. Baby. Boy. Sanity hearing. Uh, dog. Dog, dog park. park. Both of which feature, you know, heavily in this movie. Uh Reference to Jersey Grotowski. Huh. Which is a thing in this movie. Is also... Uh, I looked at this because I was very curious how many movies have a reference <laughs> to Jersey Grotowski <laughs> in the plot keyword. And it is... To give you a sense of what this movie thinks of itself as, it is this and my dinner with Andre. Amazing. Mm-hmm. That's some good narrow casting right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like the writer, of this, still- the writer of this film popped that one into IMDb. Faux oh. show. Absolutely. <laughs> two of two did find this relevant. Yeah. Uh, reference to Stella Adler. Reference to Anton Chekhov. Reference to Noel Coward. Reference to Walt Whitman. Like, oh, man. This movie, That's so sad. I don't know. That's so sad. Uh, ex-husband, ex-wife relationship. Uh, coworker, coworker relationship. Uh, USA, United States, which feels like a stretch, IMDb. United States. Do they get to like, is it like a word count max where you have to have a certain amount of keywords? And if you can't find enough, you just pick like human, earth, United States, the human condition. You can have none. I swear, you can have none. Some of them are good. Uh, Three years later is one of the plot keywords what? to this. Let's uh, let's just see what other movies come up in three, three years, years later. Three years later. I bet 28 Days Later pops up just because. It's an interesting. Uh, Claudio Beauty is the number one thing that comes up for three <laughs> days later. Uh, also, movies that I've heard of like Welcome to the Punch, <laughs> Menendez Blood Brothers, <laughs> Ring of Fire, Alice and the Mayor. <laughs> Play it like Godard. Cool. This is a. Man, IMDb plot keywords are great. Yeah, I need to really go on a deep dive. I think that would be a, that's going to be how I find our next movie. Twist ending and food. What? What? Okay. 
I want to take a second. What is the food? They go to meals of food, but no one has ever seen eating food. Uh, my uh, Will Smith does eat food. Does what he I would say is it does not distinguish this movie from almost any other movie ever made. Yeah, Keira Knightley comes up to him crying while he's eating food. And Kate Winslet does deliver him food that the super down the hall. Oh, yeah. She uh, delivers him eats. shrimps that he will never be there mm-hmm. to eat. Yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Adult Lives at Home is also a pretty good one for this. <laughs> yeah. God, Christmas tree is one of the plot keywords. Like Just stuff that imagine... happens. Yeah. Just, yeah. just noun and other noun. Two nouns. Wait. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to read the... Top Christmas tree movies. Uh, so, when you click plot keyword for Christmas tree, yeah. the movies you get, they're not going to surprise you, Michelle. Wonder Woman 1984. No. Deadpool. American Psycho. What? Goodfellas. Excuse me? Catch Me If You Can. Mean Girls. Shazam. Little Women. Green Book. Excuse me? Glass. Nary a Charlie Brown. Nar- One flew over the cuckoo's nest. Nary a Grinch. Into the wild. Boogie Nights. <laughs> Eyes wide shut. Are they trying to fool kids? Prometheus. <laughs> Zodiac. No. Zombie Land. Double Tap. They're- Cut. Castaway. Oh man, I got so excited when I thought you were gonna say Cats. Also not a movie with Christmas tree. What no. the fuck? The Conjuring 2? Shaft, we have not gotten to a Christmas movie yet. Ted, a ghost story? Oh, there's Home Alone. Okay. There's Home Alone. 36. It only took like 36 to get us there. Goodfellas, huh? Deadpool, Fucking Deadpool's huh? number two. <laughs> there may be a Christmas element to Deadpool. It's been a minute. I can't imagine it lasts for longer than 0.3 seconds. I believe this is ranked by the number of people that found it relevant. That's cool. People do a good mm-hmm. job. We can always count on mm-hmm. people. Yeah. IMDb is so... It's just... It's a it's a beautiful... IMDb is like be, quickly becoming the Yahoo answers of the internet world. Of Gonna need At least now. the internet movie world. Yeah. Uh, so, Michelle, if you were going to be a character in this <laughs> oh, uh, I think we can all agree that the dogs in the park come out pretty unscathed. <laughs> they all seem really excited about tennis ball. And I'm not going to lie, I feel more excited about tennis ball the more I think about the other characters in this movie. <laughs> How about you? You got to go with Ann Dowd. She's fucking fearless. That's true. Oh, yeah, Ann Dowd, so that we can find out what the relationship with her and this mysterious, like, rickshaw driver. And is that is that her, like... Is he like some kind of magical familiar? Because she mm-hmm. must have magical powers as well. She can kind of see people that are merely glimmer. Yeah. She, and like her relationship with the greatest video editor of all time. Yeah, I have questions. Uh, yeah, I gotta go and Dad. Yeah, and Dad's a good choice as well. Um, I, I mean, to be clear, I don't pick a dog. I pick the collection of dogs in the park. I, okay. I am, I'm a hive mind of dogs. I will be all dogs. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness! Was there was there a parental warning? Uh, yeah, that was where the uh, character throw just, angrily just throws skateboard. a skateboard across the street. Yes. Uh, and the uh, the word F star 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 is featured, but used infrequently. Uh, oh, there yeah, is I a mild Evelyn utterance of the expletive F star star star, as well as other uses of mild swear words such as bitch and shit. Great. 
There's a moment uh, when he's on the subway with um with Helen Mirren and he's just finished he's just finished laying on a really thick crazy intellectual diatribe and then he says it's all a bunch of intellectual bullshit and I just wanted the movie to end right there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wouldn't that have been fun? Character says the title of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Intellectual <laughs> That's bullshit. the tagline at the very least. So I, it must be noted this movie did not lose money. It was very no. very expensive and it more than doubled its uh, its cost. It was like a $36 million movie. It didn't do like great initially, but overall, after all was said and done, it, it made like 88, 89 million bucks. Like, and frankly, it did fine. It does not surprise me. It really got raked over the coals, like critically, though. And it, it's got a, a charming 14% on Rotten Tomato. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I mean, the critics appropriately hated this movie. Yeah. But I, I mean, I also hated this movie. And it completely does not surprise me that people watched this movie. Like, it's built for a certain type. Like, yeah. the fact that the Hallmark Network exists justifies the existence of this movie yes um i think that if you are listening to this podcast right now don't watch this movie but do yourself a favor and do please watch the trailer it's a Mm -hmm. minute and a half out of your life that's going to explain the general tone of what we just experienced because it is what made us watch the movie in the first place and it's Mm -hmm. real bad the trailer has been pretty funny i mean didn't Haley walk into the room and go what the hell is this and that's why Uh we picked this movie (laughs) it's usually a pretty good indication of how bad a movie is going to be Oh, man. Yeah. Um, The top moments, the row, row, row your boat moment, though, for me. Like, no question. Best part of the movie. God. I mean, I liked all the dominoes. Um, I'm looking at what what he wrote to time and to love and to death, and... And I don't really think... Oh, (laughs) this isn't part of the movie. It's a... It's a... An incorrect uh, closed captioning thing that happened, but I thought it was really funny. (laughs) Uh, this is the little, like, this is what he re- what he writes to time. They say you heal all wounds, but they don't talk about how you destroy all that's good in the world, how you turn beauty into ash. Well, you're nothing more than petrified wood to me. You're dead wood that won't decompose. Uh, or you're dead tissue that won't decompose. But what it continued to display across the screen is you are a dead tissue that won't decompose. <laughs> <laughs> like two or three times. Because the characters repeat that line, and I had to go back and be like, ooh, I can't write that down, right? There's no way someone thought those words. It would have been really cute and funny if it was just a little dead hanky that won't go away. You know, and maybe that's what he's sad about. That would be more Christmassy than anything else. Mr. Hanky, indeed. Oh, man. What a movie. You know, it really takes a special flick to totally disrespect this many um like good and charismatic actors will smith's in bad movies but i don't usually like feel this bad about watching it i've seen wild wild west a couple of times and i'm cool well, he's with clearly that. having fun in wild wild yeah, west. man like it's a fun nobody's ride. having fun in this movie this- except for helen mirren who should be ashamed of herself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's having fun, but she shouldn't be because she's only confronting dying people or people who have experienced recent death. And she's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> the whimsy yeah, of it all. <laughs> Give me money, please. Can't, can't get over that she takes his money. She does sure take uh, his money. And Kira Knightley is a ghost. Yeah. 
Kira Knightley is the only British person allowed in this movie, and I think that is a funny choice. Yeah, there's no reason that any of them could. Yeah, yeah it's just it's, it's just interesting how many Brits and how many Brits had to play Americans. Yeah, do you think there was a debate of like which one gets the accent? I mean, it must be, yeah, it must have been who does it worse, right? Because because mm-hmm. Kate mm-hmm. Winslet's played American enough times, and she's. It's funny when you see what an actor's, um, like what they've got, tools they've got in their toolbox to make them sound more American. And it turns out that speaking more monotone and a higher nasally pitched voice is really just like what you got to do. It works. But she kind of just, she kind of just does this. <laughs> and then instead, instead of being, instead of being Kate Winslet with her like flowing voice and like, and she's got kind of deep vibrato when she's like really trying to, she is just kind of being... I talk, I talk like I am American Robot. Hmm. I'm not saying it's bad. I do think it's good. It's just a scathing review of how we speak. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> We're, we don't sound great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, listening back to my own voice, never, never my faves. Never my favesies. I think your voice sounds wonderful. It's great. Uh, I just think it's important that we close on remembering that... Uh, Kate Winslet's daughter Mia Threpple's <laughs> name is Italian for my. Oh, uh, corset, Kate. Your corset oh. curves are the talk God. of this tinsel town. God, can you imagine writing any of this? Dude. Well. <laughs> that was, um, this was a different type of watch, I will say. I think it was a, a very high budget, emotionally manipulative, um, you know, schmaltzy. You always that's yeah. a great word, and I feel like this this movie embodies that word. Yeah, it it was uh it took me a longer time to like quite put my finger on why this movie was terrible. Yeah. Than most of the movies that we watch, which is like from an instant, this was shot in like CBS camera. Or this stars mm-hmm. John Travolta. Mm-hmm. Right? Like this this took longer it didn't make it any better. It's a terrible movie. Yeah. But it did... It it slowly grew into bad. And it tricks you because it's pretty to look at as well. Yeah. High production value. Very high production value. Good cinematography. Lots of shot at night, twinkle lights, Brooklyn Bridge, et cetera. Et cetera. Like expensive aerials. A lot of it is just like, oh, yeah. But the same way that, you know, like a Hallmark movie can kind of trick you from the trailers. Mm-hmm. We threw in some purchased aerials. <laughs> and we shot some stuff at night in Toronto. I mean, New York City. I mean, Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, this movie's bad, and it has lots of good people in it, and it's sad. But I uh, I, kinda, I, kind of loved how much it took me back to just listening to a bunch of pseudo-intellectual 20-year-olds mm-hmm. regurgitate poetry they wrote alone in their dorm room. Just, just uh, be- like believing that they've learned everything by reading one chapter of their intro to philosophy book. Like this script is just a dude trying to get laid before he's allowed to legally drink. Like a hundred, hundred, hundred percent. Yes, 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 yes. Exactly. <laughs> he dusted this bad boy off after getting some other movies greenlit, and then this happened mm-hmm. to a lot of good actors. What a treat! God, who's making these decisions? I know. Ugh. So expensive. I love a good. A good big budget flop might be one of my favorites. 
And th- but not even a flop. I know, but in this case, not even a flop because Christmas yeah. and famous people. This is a return people. on investment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, well, I guess until next time, <laughs> I'll be Henry. And I will still be Michelle. <laughs> Experiment and fast forward into the future of acting, folks. <laughs>